0: Welcome to our Haven Community Church, um, our Good Friday service. And so we we know that people are joining us from all over the county and maybe even all over the world. And we want to start tonight by just letting you know we're going to have, although we're not together, we're going to go ahead and be together as the body of Christ where we are on this night which we recognize, in which Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. Nobody took his life from him, he freely laid it down for you and me. And so this night is going to be uh, an evening of song, an evening of the Word of God from the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to also celebrate communion, And, um, and so we just are glad that you're joining with us. Let's just begin this evening with a prayer in general that Christians are praying, all those who are together in the Unite 714. Join with me in prayer. Lord, we come to you in prayer today. Believing the promise in 2 Chronicles 7.14. That we humble ourselves, pray, and turn from our wicked ways. You will hear our prayer and heal our lands. Our community, nation, and world are in desperate need of your help and your comfort and healing power, Lord. We ask you to forgive us for turning our hearts away from you. Hear our cry today as we join with the body of Christ all around the world to stand together against this COVID-19 crisis. Heavenly Father, strengthen our minds, our emotions, with the truth that you are greater than COVID-19. Your righteousness protects our hearts from despair. Your word enables us to walk through this crisis in peace. Although this is a physical disease, as believers, we know the enemy wants to take advantage of this moment. Together, Lord, we stand in faith against the powers of darkness in this evil day, and we put on the full and whole armor of God and stand firm on the promises of your word. With your armor, we stand protected from the fiery darts of panic and fear. We take up the shield of faith on behalf of our families, our churches, our nations, our cities, and the other nations of this world. For the hope of salvation is our battle helmet. We declare the promise in your word that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And therefore we pray in faith that COVID-19 will be eradicated. Panic will stop. And Lord, your power will fill the earth. On this night in which we honor the greatest gift ever given, the gift of Jesus, of his life, paying for our sin and his death, we give you praise. And we humbly ask All these things that we have lifted up in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. In your name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to begin our service. Of, of music and of scripture. And we want you to sing along, we want you to worship God wherever you are, where two or three are gathered. And, um, we know the presence of God is here and we are here. And the cool thing is, although we're not together, the presence of God is gathering all over the place where we are worshiping him today. And so we're gonna begin this service. You'll see me again at the time for the message. But until that time, you will hear me in the words of Scripture. But more importantly, rather than hear me, I pray that you will hear and the words of Jesus Christ as he speaks to you during this evening. Let us sing it as well.
1: Day when my faith shall.
0: First day of the festival of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat Passover? with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. And while they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It will be better for him if he had not been born. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God." And when they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others did the same.
2: Thought of me above all all. above all powers, above all 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 kings, above all nature, and all creation. And all the ways of man To fall and thought of me above all crucified laid behind a stone you live to die rejected and alone like a rose on the ground You took the fall
0: If possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing, and when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. He did not know what to say to them. Returning the third time, he said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a single with him. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi. And kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man, wearing nothing but a linen garment, was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law all came together Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest there he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire the chief priests and the whole sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death but they could not find any many testified falsely against him but their statements did not agree then some stood up and gave false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days we'll build another, not made by human hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again the high priest asked, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him. Struck him with her fist and said, Prophesy, and the guards took him and beat him.
3: How deep Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The father turned his face away has wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon a cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished. Yes, it is finished. Oh, it is finished. Oh, I will not boast in it. why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, His words have paid my ransom. But this I know with all my heart, His words. Have
0: paid my
3: ransom.
0: While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. And after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Are you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. Now it was custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and Pilate Asked, and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to Pilate. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one that you call king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. On this night, for the last several weeks, um, we, on this night we're going to have our sixth week of our series, and we have spent the last several weeks asking this question, who is Jesus? It's a question that many people have asked, many people are asking today and have from the beginning of time since Jesus came on the scene. It's also a question that I think these disciples, his nearest followers, and people who loved him the most, who just a few days before were saying, Hosanna, save us. And now you have the crowds and even those closest to him, as we just read, from Simon Peter, have decided to say, hey, we're done. We don't know who you are. Peter even said, I don't even know him, because everything he thought about Jesus was different. We spent several weeks dealing with this, and we're going to talk about this tonight when we're going to talk more about Jesus. Our theme verse for the series has been from 1 Corinthians and it says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I did not try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. And that's, not, that's what we've really been trying not to do since the onset of this church, and particularly in this series, where we're not going to go into deep theology where you say, oh my gosh, that's such a great message, She said a lot of smart things, but I don't know what it was about. No, we want to get to know Jesus personally and have this relationship with him that is intimate and personal. He said, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus, who he is, and what he did. And today we're going to talk about this last part Jesus crucified. What he did, Jesus crucified. So so tonight, who is Jesus? He is the Lamb. He is the Lamb. For watching online, you have a link. Also, if you'd like to follow along with our bulletin and fill that in, feel free to do so. But tonight, we are gonna talk about Jesus crucified, Jesus the Lamb. And I wanna share with you this verse from John chapter one, verse 29. Really, the first time Jesus really enacts his earthly ministry, he comes out and John the Baptist is there, or John the Baptizer. And you know this This term, the lamb, is probably the best description. I know we talked about this week loving uh, the shepherd motif, but do you realize this term, the lamb, is in Scripture 104 times. Most of these are in the first five books of the Bible, and 25% of them are in the book of Revelation. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation... Jesus is often, if not most of the time, referred to as the lamb. He is the lamb that, it says the lamb opens up the seals. It says the lamb is worthy to be worshipped. It says that the lamb bears the scars for the healing of the nations. The lamb is everywhere there. So what does this mean? What does it mean for us if we ask, who is Jesus, and we say, he is the lamb? This is huge. This is huge because it tells us a lot. And in order to, to really unpack this a little bit more, I want to go back to something I've watched since I was a kid, and it was on this past week, and I watched it. It's a movie, it's an old movie called The Ten Commandments. And I know I can't see you right now, but I, I, if at this point I'd say, how many of you have ever watched the Ten Commandments um, with Let My People Go? How many have ever watched that? I've watched it, and, I, and I've always loved it. I love, I love the crisp color that is in that movie. Um, a long time ago with Charlton Heston um, going ahead and being Moses there. But as I, it tells the story of Moses. And you're saying, why are we talking about the story of Moses? Because it's really important to set up everything we need to set up. You see, Pharaoh, played by, in that movie by the late, great Joel Brenner, would not let his people go. Would not let the Israelites go, no matter what happened. So God sent ten plagues upon the Egyptians, and each time, Pharaoh would go ahead and say, okay, you can go, and then his heart was hardened, or God hardened his heart, and he just would not go ahead and let them go, and the last one finally happened, that this last plague came about, and Pharaoh decided to let the people go, even though he had a change of heart. What this was to be is this death angel or angel of death has come to know is God said what would happen is it would go through the land of Egypt and it would kill every firstborn, whether it be animal or human. The firstborn would die. But God wanted to make a provision for his people, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted to make that, that covenant relationship with him. So he told them, if you take a perfect, Spotless lamb, you sacrifice it and you take the blood and you put on the doorpost and around, then the angel of death or this death angel will pass by. It is through that blood of the perfect spotless lamb that God said back then with the angel death he would pass over. And so to this day, even to this day, Our Jewish brothers and sisters are celebrating all over the world this Seder meal or this Passover, remembering that God's goodness to the people in Egypt to set them free. And that is why Easter and Passover are always together. Because as a kid, I would always wonder why the Ten Commandments came on during Easter. And then I began to understand a little bit more and recognize that it came about because Passover and Easter are forever intertwined. As a matter of fact, when Jesus first came in to Jerusalem with palm branches waving, it was the onset of Passover week. We can see that in Exodus chapter 12, although I don't have this verse in for you, this is extra. It's written, and when your children ask, what does a ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of Israel in Egypt and spared the homes when he struck down the Egyptians. We have read already that Jesus, also an extra verse here from Luke chapter 22, that Jesus said to his disciples on that meal, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment. In the kingdom of God. And then he took the bread and he broke it. And he took the cup. Celebrating the Passover meal. Time and time again. In, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. It tells us something very important. It tells us for Christ. Our Passover lamb. Has been Sacrificed has been sacrificed. It's very, it's no mistake and very interesting to me that in the Jewish tradition, at 9 a.m. on that Friday of Passover week, because that is the Passover day, at 9 a.m. in the morning, the exact time that Jesus was crucified, the Passover lamb was slaughtered at the exact same time that Jesus was nailed to a cross. And at 3 p.m., 3 p.m. was the traditional time before sundown because you couldn't do work, when the Jewish people would go ahead and place that sacrificed lamb in the oven that they would go ahead and they would eat, that Jesus died on the cross and was taken down and placed into the grave. And so, yes, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. And there are so many illustrations that I could give to you based off of Passover and Jesus as the Lamb of God. There's about 12 of those similarities. But I want to share with you this evening three of those, three very important ones. And I hope that this opens up a little bit more of who Jesus is to you and me. The first thing that we learn is the Passover lamb was perfect, it had to be perfect. It wasn't like it could have been perfect, but it had to be perfect. In Exodus 12, verse 5, this is the first of Passover rules. And it says, the animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. And so what we have here, all this, though this morning at 9 a.m., they would go ahead and they'd sacrifice that lamb, there were several days of preparation that occurred. Several days that they were going through. And what the the people would do is they'd go through and they'd search their flock for the perfect lamb. We know that Jesus came riding in on, on that Palm Sunday that we celebrated this past Sunday. And as he rode in, people said to him, Hosanna, save us. And throughout that week, and many of you who have received the uh, worship guides that we were able to deliver, many of those. Or also, you could download from, from online the guide for Holy Week. You can see that Jesus did something every single day. And every single day, Jesus was doing something in preparation. Most of the time, he, hang out, he hung out in the, in the courts, in the temple courts. And there's this great story. That as a kid I loved. And I love even more so now. But I always loved where Jesus went into the temple and there were the money changers doing things there. And Jesus began to turn over the tables. He began to flip around these cords and say and claim, stop making my father's house a house of a den of thieves. And many people over years have used that wrongly to go ahead and say, Jesus doesn't like us doing fundraisers and nothing. That's not what he's talking about. You see, because the priesthood at this time had become so corrupt. It was wicked and corrupt. It was no longer about the people and about God. It was about themselves. And so what would happen is you would have people from all over the known world that came to Jerusalem for this Passover. And they had carried with them all that way that perfect lamb for their family. And when they came up, the priest had to inspect it to make sure everything was perfect. And as the the priests began to go ahead and inspect it, these corrupt priests would say, nah, something's wrong with this one. Even if it was perfect, they would find something wrong with it. Because guess what was going on in the temple courts? They were selling something. Guess what they were selling? Lambs. And so they go ahead and say, I'm sorry, but this has this blemish here. But I'll tell you what, right here, you can buy one of our lambs. And so the priests had this side business where they were making money. And Jesus saw this and it went to the core of him and he was just, he was aggravated because of what they were doing to God. This whole means that God had used for Passover, people were now using it for self-gratification. They were extorting people. And Jesus had enough. You see, Jesus is our perfect Passover lamb. We have a world out there that wants to say, no, 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 I see your Jesus, but it's got this on it. I know what Christians are and I know they do this, but look, I've got this for you. And they try to sell another bill of goods. Or even our churches try to try to remove Jesus, remove the crucifixion. We get to a point where I've been part of churches and I've heard of churches say, we need to take out blood references to our songs because it offends people. And you know what? It should because our lamb is perfect and his name is Jesus. You know, Jesus is the only only leader of a religion and he never came to make a religion make a movement but he is the only person that we look to as a leader that ever claimed to be perfect and why is that important because only the clean can take care of the unclean only those who are perfect can stand in the way of those who are imperfect and yet we still to this day get it wrong you see, there's a lot of us, this past week, we talked about Jesus coming to take us home, coming to take us to heaven. And as we talk about Jesus coming to take us home, we start to think about heaven a little bit. And many of us have a warped sense of what heaven is. Many of us look to heaven as a, 50, uh, a, 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 uh, not a 51% heaven. In other words, we say, here are my good things, and here are my bad things. So as long as I have a scale that I even them out, and if I get 51% good and 49% bad, whoo, I get in. And so that leaves us wondering, what is that scale? How do we outweigh what God is doing? So here's my question for you right now. If you believe that, and you know, think about it, funerals. I've done a lot of funerals. And most of my funerals that I have, people always say, Man, he was such a good man. She was a, a kind lady. Nobody ever gets up there and say, he was the biggest jerk I ever saw on the face of the earth. You know that person? I swear, she looked at me, and, and I know she just wanted to kill me. She was the nastiest person I ever met in my life. I have never done a funeral where people have said that in public. So everybody's saying this, and some of the some of the nastiest, most evil people I've actually heard people say, Oh, and I know they're looking down on me. All right, we have those things because we believe even us in the church are warped by this 51% thing. So if that's true, let's just assume that's true right now. Go ahead and rate yourself right now. Let's say that zero is Hitler, and that a hundred is Jesus. Okay, and let's say like Mother Teresa is about, and, and Billy Graham are in the, eight, in the 90s, all right? And let's say Jack is about 89, okay, we'll go with me. Just joking, okay, not me there. But let's just use this as this, where are you? Because we're all on this continuum somewhere. If it's this, weighty, and what is enough? And can we ever be enough? And I'm gonna give you the answer. No, you can never be enough. Mother Teresa can't be enough. Even whoever's 99% next to Jesus or 89% or 90%. Nobody can make it to heaven on your own because all have sinned and fall short of what God has intended for us. You see, heaven is a place for those perfect people. Heaven's a place for the perfect person. Heaven is heaven 100% of the time. And you see, there's only one perfect person person there's only one perfect lamb and his name is jesus and that's why jesus said i am the way to the father no one comes to him except through me you want to see this in scripture first peter first peter 1 18 through 19 said you were redeemed with the precious blood of christ the lamb without blemish or defect The second thing, the lamb was perfect and the lamb was sacrificed. Now we say Jesus was killed, he sacrificed, he died, and those are really nice terms. We're nice. But think about it. Think really deeply about Jesus' sacrifice. We just sang a song, how deep the Father's love for us have you ever really stopped to think about the sacrifice of Jesus? Look at this verse from Exodus about the Passover lamb. It says, take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. That makes a different kind of connotation, doesn't it? It said that Jesus was killed Jesus died. We even got sanitized to he was crucified. Slaughtered. If we really want to fill in the blank right, we should probably write slaughtered. The lamb was slaughtered. Slaughtered. And this is what bugs me about when we talk about Jesus, when people say, well, you're Jesus is just a wimpy kind of character. No, Jesus is far from that. He went through the most tragic death And yet, you see, God picked a time in history when capital punishment was at its worst. And yet Jesus didn't even whimper a word. You see, Isaiah the prophet, he saw the cross many, many years before Jesus came on the scene. And he tells us that Jesus was unrecognizable. Look at what he says to us here. That he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. What he is telling us here is that Jesus was slaughtered. He also continues to tell us that he was unrecognizable. And I started thinking about this verse today. And I was thinking about my time as being a pastor. I've had several tragic times in my life where I've been called to an ICU of people who've been through accidents, car accidents primarily, motorcycle accidents. And I've walked into that ICU as they let me in because they let me to pray with people and, um, and other kinds of things. And as I walked in that room, I, I was thinking about the number of people. I remember going into one girl, young girl's uh, room ICU And she had been seriously burnt in a car. A beautiful girl who at that point, much of her body was unrecognizable because she was burnt so badly. I think of another person who was in a motorcycle accident who his face was burnt so badly you could not even tell It was him, and his body was broken in different ways. I thought of other people who were in such a a car accident that their eyes were completely shut. They had ventilators in, and their their head must have been this wide. And then I looked at this verse, and I saw that Isaiah said we couldn't even recognize Jesus. So what happened to Jesus on Good Friday? And some of you may have heard this before, but we can never hear it enough. You see Isaiah said there was four things that happened to Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was on him brought us peace and by his wounds or his stripes or or his flogging we were healed. So Jesus day began at the at the Roman uh whipping post where we, he was chained around this post. And the Romans were excellent at this. They had a cat of nine tails. Within that cat of nine tails, it was like a whip with several tails on it. And between the leather, it would have bits of bone and glass and sharp rocks. And it wasn't just one hand like we see on television. They would dip it in water so that it would be heavy and it would sink in. So they would whip it with two hands. Boom, and it would wrap around, and when they pulled, it would tear the first layer of skin apart and whatever it hit. It was a tradition that the Romans would do this with 39 lashes. 40 lashes, even by the Roman government, was deemed too much. The tradition was there were 13 in this trapezius muscle, the traps right here, that would go ahead and hit and sink in and rip so it could tear the neck and shoulder muscles apart so that you wouldn't be able to lift your shoulders and hold on to that because that means something. And then they would go ahead and 13 on this side, tearing the muscles on this area, and then 13 down the middle of the back so it would expose your spine. And then they would take rods, and beat the back of your legs so you could barely stand and your muscles couldn't take it. And then, they took Jesus to the praetorium, which was pretty much like the the courtyard or the locker room area for the Roman soldiers. And there they they took Jesus with him and decided to have fun. They punched him And they hit him as he was blindfolded and they'd say, prophesy to us, who hit you? Then they decided to have more fun and they put a robe upon him and they took thorns. Thorns are about that big. When I was in in Israel several years ago, we were walking through a nearby field and I had some, some fledgling thorns that were there. And even though they were about this high out of the ground, the thorns stood off about that much. And this would have been a full-fledged one and they wrapped it into a crown of thorns and they crushed it into his skull. Many of us say, oh, well, that would just cause more blood loss. But the way they did it pushing into his temples would cause bleeding to go inward rather than outward, giving him the most intense pain, a migraine like has never been heard of before in our whole entire lives. Because we're told that the punishment that was upon him was made to bring you peace. So so with our tormented minds and our worry about COVID-19 and our fear about tomorrow, we don't have to worry about that because he took all that upon himself so that you and I would have peace when this world doesn't give it. He would give it to us because it was on him, not on you and me. The third thing he would do is he'd carry his cross to Golgotha. And there... The words of Isaiah became very true. And we've seen the movies and we've seen the studies where he was pierced for our transgressions. They would nail large spikes into his, most scholars believe his wrist because this whole part for him was considered your hand. Because if it was in here, it would rip out and they would also tie around here. But remember, remember, Remember what happened here at this point. When they did that and they crossed his legs over like this and would kind of turn him sideways. So in order to breathe, he didn't die from blood loss. They didn't want you dying too quickly. They wanted him dying upon the cross and pulling himself up because you would die from asphyxiation because your lungs would fill with fluid. But keep in mind, you have no shoulder muscles anymore. The only thing you have is anchor points are on your wrists and in your feet, but you got to breathe. And so, what would you do? You'd, in agony, pull yourself up to breathe with that bare spine exposed against that cruel wooden cross, and then back down time and time again. He was pierced for our transgressions. And later, When Jesus died, the Romans had a history. They got tired of messing with you after a while, and they would take a large mallet, and they would come along, and they'd break your legs, so there's no way you could be able to do that. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he had already died. And the scripture tells us that what happened was they went ahead, and they took a spear, and they shoved through him, and the angle that they were going, some people have said that it might have pierced his lungs, but other people have noted, doctors have noted that when it hits your heart, blood and water came out. So when would blood and fluid come out of your heart? Simply this. Doctors have proven when your heart ruptures, blood and fluid like water come out of you. So you see, Jesus didn't die from the beating. Jesus didn't die from the sc- from the scourging. He didn't die from the nails. He didn't die from the crown of thorns upon his head. No, Jesus died simply from a broken heart. He died from a broken heart because he himself took your and my transgressions, our sin upon himself. And we all know that when we sin, it's just not right in our lives. Can you imagine taking all that for the world right there? You see, the lamb... Did not just die. Jesus, our Lamb, was not just killed, he was slaughtered. And because he was slaughtered, it's why we need to give him our all. Not some, but all of it. And I don't think that we're in danger of giving Jesus our all. You see, in this verse of scripture really quickly from Exodus, this is what was done by some people. It said you're to offer on the altar regularly each day two lambs a year old, one in the morning and one at twilight. That's two lambs a day. And there's several of us living every day about Jesus is going to get us because we have a warped sense of who Christ is. We're warped by that. We don't, we don't know. Because we forgot to recognize Jesus, who he is and what he did. Christ crucified our lamb, our lamb. So we don't have to do that every day. Look at this other verse from Hebrews. This tells you what's perfect. And by that, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ. And I want you to shout this from the rooftops in your house. Scared of dogs, once and for all. You see, I, I grew up and I had great teaching from my parents. And I had great teaching from others. But there was a part of my own warped theology that got to a point one time where I began to go ahead and I remember hearing that if I die before I have unconfessed sin, look out. It's H-E double hockey sticks for me. And I panicked about that. But guess what? I worried about, and, and then one day somebody told me, hey, God, I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed and even the sins of omission, the ones I don't know, commission and omission. Anybody remember that? The ones that you overtly do and the ones you're not sure you do. And then I remembered this fact right here that Jesus died for me once and for all and I know that I'm gonna sin and I'm not gonna be there but I know that that's gonna be there but the thing that I do know is I have a perfect lamb of God who his sacrifice has saved me once and for all and I owe him my life, and you should too. I am made holy by Jesus, by Jesus. Let's go to the third thing here. The lamb was perfect, it was sacrificed, but the lamb was also shared. You say, what do you mean, Jack? In Exodus 12, four, here's another rule. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor. In other words, you had to eat the entire lamb. No leftovers. So if you had a lamb that was going to be too big for your family, you had to go out and get somebody, hey, come on in. You had to invite people. You see, the lamb brings people together. And what was funny is actually most lambs, even the smallest ones, the perfect smallest lamb was too much for a family to eat absolutely everything. So you had to invite others in. Here at Haven Church, we need to start sharing Christ more and more and more. Why? Because there's still a lot of lamb to be served. You see, we are just too small. And I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about that if just one more person needs to feed on the lamb, we need to tell them about it. We need to share it. I'm not into building my kingdom. Never has been about me. Never will be about me. My ego, I'm way too old for that. A week from today, I'm gonna be 29 plus 20. And I tell you, My ego is long gone in this deal. But what I am into, I'm not even about building a church or an institution. I'm not about doing all the good things that we're doing, even though they're good. What I am about is opening up an all-you-can-eat lamb restaurant where people can come and feast on my Passover lamb because I'm supposed to share it with everybody. Remember that old song, hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. We need to let it shine. We need to tell people. We need one of them lights that blinks and say, lamb is here. Come get some lamb. Come get some lamb. So that if one more person can eat from the lamb, we have done our job. Some have never, some in the sound of my voice, may have never, ever tasted the lamb of God. And you need to feast into that here today. And some of you have tasted and you've gone away and you feel like you've got it or, or some of us may feel like we have all our fill and we know all the lamb that we can get. Or maybe some of us have gone away and starving ourselves from the lamb of God. You need to get back to the table and find out and taste and see how good God is. Second Corinthians 5 tells us something here. It tells us God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. Isn't that cool? That's God's job. God's job is reconciling the world through Jesus, and he's not going to count our sins against us. So why do we count our sins and other people's toward us if God's saying, hey, my job is to not count your sins because of Christ, and here's our job. Our job is this. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So what he's done for us is he's forgiven us, and we need to get on board, forgive others, and to tell them, hey, lamb is available. And here he is. We need to share and commit to the message that God has given to us, not just to the people we like, but maybe even more so to the people we can't stand. You see, we're at Easter this year. And Easter is very different this year. I'm gonna stand up here at Easter and rather than see two services and play with my worship team and have a nice new shirt on that I got at Marshall's and maybe some some nice pants and nice tie and all those kind of things and hugging people and saying happy Easter, I'm gonna stand in this room looking at empty chairs, knowing that people are watching and relating. But even though I won't have all those things, I won't have a family gathering and meal together. I won't be able to sing worship songs with a praise team that I love dearly. We won't have, and, and and a congregation that I love dearly. Even though I won't be able to go ahead and see the kids run around at an Easter egg hunt for church. I can still remember that the lamb is still perfect. That although our world is flawed, the lamb is still perfect. And that lamb who is perfect was slaughtered and more than ever, ever before he needs to be shared. And so as I wind this down today, this evening, I want to share with you three ways we can share the lamb. First thing is to pray. I'm not going to just take this one lightly. A lot of times I just say pray, and we we move on, but we're not going to do that. Because I believe that the church universal has been lacking in our prayer. We joined just a couple other weeks with Unite 714, praying for this world, praying for God, to, as we humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, that he may heal from heaven and heal our land. I'm just crazy enough to believe that not everybody who calls in the name of the Lord is really following that. That we've asked people to pray in the mornings at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. I can't speak for the world, but I can for this church, and I really hope that you up your commitment to pray. Pray for this, and pray for this Sunday In Easter service, pray for Easter and pray for those in this world who need to be at the table getting some lamb. 1 Corinthians 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You see, the gospel is being preached. But it's kind of like this. Let's pretend that the gospel is being preached, and this is the gospel. But there is a prince of this world, and his name is Satan. And Satan, so I have, I have fingers up behind my hand, and nobody can tell me what those numbers are. Because you're blinded to it. So often, we have been praying for, for the people on the other side, to get this but we haven't been praying against the evil one to remove what is blinding the world that they can see what Christ has for them. Some people don't know we even have a restaurant. It, it, it always breaks my heart when somebody say, where is your church located? And they don't know. Or they may not have heard of us. Because, not because we're not out there serving God but because they can't see because the enemy has blinded them. We need to kick up prayers that we bind the enemy, we bind Satan where he is. Many are saying no to a distorted view of God from something that the enemy has put up against them. We need to pray against blinding, the blinding agent for all those to get to the table. And when you do that and you pray for individuals and you say, God, I, ask, I pray that you rebuke Satan and remove any blinding things that they will see you clearly. They will see it. It won't be the first time they heard it, but it may be the first time they ever saw it. And my, oh my, let me tell you, there is nothing greater than seeing someone come to Christ and you playing a part in that. So pray, pray, pray. Number two, invite and share. 20% is the number on a normal, regular week if you ask somebody to attend church. You invited somebody to attend church and you said, hey, I'm going, uh, I'll come pick up 20% and say, okay. On Easter, numbers are 84% of a yes rate of invitation. If you ask those same people, 84% of them will be willing to come. Then you say, okay, Jack, but we ain't gathering this year. We aren't doing anything. In some ways, I'm gonna make it easier for you. You can send them a link. You can go ahead and say, hey, I'm watching at this time. Let's have a watch party. You in your house, me in my house. We can even text back and forth. We can conversate. We can go ahead. We can get it on BoxCast and look it up. We can get it on Facebook Live. We can go right to havencc.org. We can look at our apps. We can do all these things. God has made it easy for you to send out to 10 million people and say, I want you to watch and celebrate Easter with me this year. In addition to that, all throughout this weekend, the 10th through the 12th, Jesus from sight and sound is being broadcast on TBN and on, uh, and on the, uh, the internet. On on-demand and regular, they are making it happen from sight and sound right here. That is a great gift that you can send to people. To realize that you invite people and invite them to share in the Lamb of God that takes the sin away of the world. You may even watch both of them with him and FaceTime them and say, hey, what do you think? As you watch them. Romans 10 says this. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but who can ask them to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's somebody is you? That somebody is you. You heard because somebody told you. And they heard because somebody told them. And we can go on and on and on. Because Jesus told his disciples. They told us. And we stand here as children of the king because of it. Our last one. And because I know you guys who like to fill out blanks, I got you, you want to fill out that blank and pack up and roll, I'm not going to let you, I'm going to give you the scripture first. And it says this, in a loud voice, they sang. I want to share something, this is just a sidebar. I've had many people, a matter of fact, I remember one time in the early start of this church where people were like, church, that's just too loud. And I remember somebody sitting in worship with their fingers in their ears. Let me tell you something. If you think worship is too loud here, you're going to hate heaven. Because what does it say? A loud voice. They sang. Singing is loud in heaven. And what do they sing? Worthy is the lamb who was slain or slaughtered to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. What in the world does this mean? It means when you are in the presence of God, you should be having a good time. I've seen some of you at weddings, you have better time at a wedding doing that stupid chicken dance than you ever did in the presence of God. As I read heaven, there is a loud voice and people are dancing and they're singing and they're worthy to the Lamb. Instead, when we get to church, we say, Worthy of every song we could. Now we should be singing our praises here, because if you don't like worshiping here, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to hate heaven. You're going to hate it there, and we need to go ahead. Now I got to tell you, sometimes when I dance, I sweat like I ran a marathon. And Mike, if I've ever been in a wedding and I'm wearing a tuxedo, that sucker needs to be burned when they take it back because I just sweat through. So there's been sometimes I'm like, nah, I don't want to dance. I don't wanna, I'll just sit here. But often when somebody ends up getting me up and dancing, have you ever watched yourself dance? If you've ever watched yourself dance, I'm going to tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this happen. You look absolutely ridiculous no matter if you're the best dancer in the world, if you came from another planet and looked, you would say there's no intelligent life on this dance floor. And because we all look different. But it's fun, and it feels good, and it's good to do with other people. And sometimes it's just good to do by yourself. David didn't give a care about anybody watching him. His wife said, you're undignified. He said, I'll be even more undignified. Watch me dance now in front of the Lord. And so many of us need to grasp that we need to connect and we need to have a party. We need to enjoy the presence of Jesus. And we need to become even more undignified, as the scripture says, for our Lord. And so what I'm saying is, when you worship with somebody, don't just look at it as, yeah, I'm going, it's okay, yeah, it's good, it's the right thing to do. No, it's not the right thing to do. It's what God has called us to do, and we need to kick up our worship. I can't wait till we get back in here. When we get back in here, we're gonna have some fun. Even more so than we did before. And so what is the third thing? Participate exponentially. That means if you're somebody, and you're, this, is your, this is your worship, I want you to, that means if you're somebody like this, I want you to raise the roof even more, that we have a lamb who has been slaughtered for you and me. And he loves you. If you're somebody who loves Jesus, you've had a relationship with him, and everything else, back to this, you're allowing everything else in this world to blind you from the call of God on your life. And you know who you are. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if you have something in your way that is blinding you from what God is doing, that, you, that basically through this worship experience, through worshiping online, and it's not because of illness, it's not because of anything else, that you haven't come here and worshiped with other believers, that you've given that up, you need to ask God why, and you need to get back to the table and fill yourself up with some more lamb and find out where he is. I'm not beating you up. I'm just loving you because I am guilty of myself, of failing Jesus. Because I need to participate exponentially from where I've been in my worship. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away my sin and yours as well. Our next reading comes from Mark chapter 15. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium. And they called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, and they twisted crowns of thorns and set it on him. They began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe And put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene. Named Simon. The father of Alexander and Rufus. Were passing by on his way in from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place of Golgotha. Which means the place of the skull. And then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. But he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up. His clothes, they cast lots to see what they would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king and the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross. That we may believe those crucified with him also heaped insults on him.
1: A hill far away Stood an old rugged cross i
0: Those of you that we were able to get your Holy Week packet um, again we tried our best to get to everyone we could um, in there you have a little cup it is a pre packaged communion cup with a wafer in there uh, and we we gave out 500 of those and have none left so hopefully at this moment there are 500 people around our county um, and and around the surrounding states that are right now taking those out we want you to go ahead and take those out Uh there's a, a small film on the top that you pull and that will give you the wafer and underneath is the juice. That's fine to go ahead and take your teeth if you need to to wrap, pull that off. Um, I did so uh, while the, a little bit before and we have it here. But we at this point are gonna recognize communion. You know, a lot of times communion is another thing that we do wrote in our in in the universal church. We just do it and we say, That on the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks to God, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat this, all of you, this is my body, which is broken for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm going to say right now to you, and I know somebody in the larger church who's a big theological person may have a problem with it, but God doesn't, and I don't. If you don't have something, just get something. Get some bread, pull it out, get a cracker, get something, and just get some juice or something that you have, God will make a way. Actually, in the tradition of the church, when people didn't have juice, they had water, and it was called a love feast. So, hey, connect to the love of God. He turned water into wine, maybe he'll do it tonight. So after the supper was over, he took the cup. And once again, he gave thanks to God, saying, blessed are you, Lord God, creator, ruler, sovereign of the universe, that gives us fruit of the vine that we may have drink. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood. Whose blood? The blood of the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb of God. Take this and drink this and remember to me. And so, Lord, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith that Christ has died because the lamb was slaughtered. He has risen. And as we talked about last week, he will come again. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Pour out your Holy Spirit on those of us gathered Make us be for us the body and the blood of Christ for this hurting, fearful, lost world that we may be the body of Christ for this world. Make us one in spirit to each other, one in ministry to everybody into this whole world as we look forward to coming together again here. But Lord, as we come together in your heavenly banquet table and we feast there and we say worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And so God, at this point, as we say worthy is the Lamb, I call all people in the sound of my voice to eat from the Lamb, to fill themselves up at this moment. As we pray this prayer, the prayer for all people who are celebrating with us this evening for communion, as we celebrate together and unite, 714. Lord, today with millions of Christians around the world, we have remembered your death Lord Jesus, through the power of communion, we are humbling ourselves and freshly confessing our sins. It is through your redemptive work that we can boldly approach your throne of grace to help us in a time of need and in this COVID-19 pandemic is, as it's wreaking havoc in our world. We boldly come before you today, Heavenly Father, asking that you deliver and heal our nations. Even as the people of Israel were protected by the blood of the Passover lambs in the time of Moses, We ask you to protect our nation through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. We realize our nations have sinned against you. We ask for your forgiveness and your protection. As your people, we willingly identify with the sins of our nations, for we too, God, have sinned. So on this Good Friday, we unite with millions of believers from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And we cry out in the name of Jesus with one voice. Heavenly Father, by your mercy and grace, may the COVID-19 pandemic be removed from the nations of our world. May your name be glorified in the sight of the nations by a miraculous deliverance such as, with such power that peoples of the world are left in all of wonder. And we will have great revival and may know that your spirit comfort and renew our hearts and the hearts of those who have experienced this tremendous loss During this time. And Lord Jesus as we go to our communion now. May we partake of the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ for you. And this is the blood of Christ. Amen. And amen. Let us sing.
3: How wide is your love That you would stretch your arms And go around the world And why for me A Savior's cry be heard I don't know why you went And where I was meant to go I don't know why you love me so those were my nails that was my crown that pierced your hands and your brow those were my thorns those were my scorns those were my tears that fell down And just as you said it would be, you did it all for me. And after you counted the cost, you took my shame, my blame, on my cross. How deep is your grace? that you could see my need and choose to take my place and then for me these words out hear you say father no forgive them for they know not what they do I will go because I love them so Those were my nails That was my crown That pierced your hands And your brow Those were my thorns Those were my scorns Those were my tears That fell down And just as you said It would be You did it all For me And after you Counted the cost You took my shame my blame on my cross. And after you counted the cost, you took my shame, my blame on my cross.
0: At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar And put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain for the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God.
1: Tremble, tremble, tremble Were you there with the crucified?